All right, everyone, welcome back to Life and Lit, episode 11. I can't believe we're already on episode 11, but this week we are bringing back a personal favorite of ours, Kate Quinn, and her new novel, The Diamond Eye. So before we dive in, let's just introduce ourselves. I'm Paige. And I'm Sydney. And this is Life and Lit. So like we said, we're bringing back another one of our personal favorites, Kate Quinn. If you have been with us from the beginning, you'll know that episode one was also a book by Kate Quinn, The Rose Code, which quickly became one of my favorite books ever. I absolutely adore that novel. So whenever Sydney texted me that she was coming out with a new book at the end of March, we knew immediately that we would have to feature it pretty much right after its release, you know. We gave ourselves enough time to read it, kind of digest the plot, and now we're discussing it. I finished it, you know, two days ago, and I think you finished it yesterday, Sydney. Yes. I was starting to get a little nervous (laughs) on if I was going to finish it in time. Yeah, it's a pretty meaty book. Like, it's not terribly long. It's 400 pages, but... It is. There's a lot to it. I feel like there's a lot of plot in the 400 pages that she wrote. Yes, it's dense. And this, interestingly enough, is the first Kate Quinn book that I physically read. I love Audible and audiobooks. And so that's how I've... I've listened to all of her other novels that I've read. And so this is the first one that I physically read. So I think that slowed me down a little bit. Yeah, you have to make the time to, like, sit down and read. You can't multitask. Yes, and I like to read before bed because it's great because then I get sleepy and I I go to sleep really well. But then also I read, like, 20 pages and get sleepy. So (laughs) Exactly. It took me a hot minute to get into it. But once I did, I was hooked. And then Friday and yesterday I pretty much just – read nonstop to finish and I was like turning the pages waiting to see what was going to happen so it's very good yes absolutely so before we dive into the plot we'll give you a quick summary because you know like we've said in all our other episodes we do talk about the entire plot so spoiler alert if you haven't read this yet which it's only been out for a couple of weeks um, just listen to the summary Go read it and come back and hear our thoughts and, you know, see what you think and if you agree with us and where we differ. So this is The Diamond Eye by Kate Quinn. So history student and bookworm Mila Pavlichenko is your typical young single mother trying to build a better life for herself and her son. When news of Hitler's invasion of Russia reaches Odessa, Mila is amongst the first to sign up to fight for her country. She must convert herself from a bookish history student to a trained and deadly sniper, a transformation that earns her the feared and revered name of Lady Death. When news of her success makes her a national heroine, she is sent to America as an ambassador of goodwill to convince Americans to join the fight in Russia. She finds herself alone in Washington, D.C. until she makes an unlikely ally of First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. However, her past quickly catches up to her in D.C., leading Mila to face both her own demons and a new enemy and a final deadly duel. 
That was a good summary. Thank you. That was Thank perfect. You. I love yeah. the ending too. That like perfectly teases how it all comes together. The ending is so exciting. You know, this it book is. is so multifaceted. It was, I love that about it. It took a minute to get into it because she had to build up so much backstory for each kind of section of the book, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. you'll find out what we're talking about. But It's a slow burn, for sure. Yes, Start. but once you hit and you kind of get used to how the storylines kind of mingle, then you just kind of take off and you, you know, burn through the rest of the book. It's amazing. So this book is, oh, spoiler alert from here on out. You heard the summary. <laughs> this book is based on a true story. Mila Pavlochenko was, you know, a real Russian sniper. And, you know, Kate Quinn loves those kinds of stories. But this book alternates between Mila's storyline, like on the Russian front, the sharpshooter hired gun that was hired to assassinate um, FDR, and then Eleanor Roosevelt's letters about the Soviet delegation visit to Washington, D.C., which I thought is really cool. And then Mila's storyline is written as a memoir. You know, she it's from her point of view. And that is the storyline that really drew me in, is you felt like she was telling you the story in person. Mm-hmm. Or you were reading her actual, like, autobiography or memoir. It was really cool. So the book opens from the point of view of the sharpshooter that is hired to kill FDR and he plans to frame Mila because, you know, the Russian-American alliance is very tenuous at this time. And he's like, you know, what's an easier target than a Russian sniper coming to visit America? So he doesn't believe that Mila is the the real deal. You know, a lot of people don't believe that she was actually the sniper with 309 kills to her name. Um, So that's kind of how Kate Quinn kicks it off is, you she kind of just drops this bomb at the very beginning. You know, there's no, there's no doubt what the sharpshooter is planning. Um, so that just immediately sets the intriguing storyline. And that's an exciting way to kick it off because you know, right from the get go that there's going to be this huge conflict and eventually yes. this is going to come to a head in a, dramatic way you're assuming which it does play out very much like that so I think that was an interesting way to start off that way and then Mila stories are told like mostly in flashbacks like you said like you know months prior nine months prior kind of working backwards through yes and you're just like I mean personally I was just like flipping flying through this book trying to figure out how it all culminates and like comes together because you know there was going to be a point where the storylines lined up so that they were all in the same time frame. And it was, it was really exciting. Um, so then it cuts to from the sharpshooter to Eleanor's account and her first impression of Mila. You know, there are short little tidbits from Eleanor Roosevelt written as letters um, either to her husband or, you know, to herself about the day's events and, you know, kind of her impression of, the Russian delegation and Mila herself. Yeah, it added another layer to it. And I wrote as one of the themes of the novel, like 
the strength of women and friendship between women. And that was really modeled between Eleanor Roosevelt and Mila because they do form this unlikely long lasting friendship. And so that was really cool to just have that other layer to see, you know, what Eleanor Roosevelt could have been thinking or would have been thinking. Yes. And that, you know, female friendship or the strong female characters, they are such like a strong theme, I feel like, in all of Kate Quinn's novels, which is one of the reasons I love them so much. But she does carry that through all of her novels, but she makes them different. So you, you don't feel like you're just reading the same thing over again, which I yeah. love. They're all so different. And I did, that was one thing that I picked up on on this book, which you mentioned that Mila is a mother and that's woven through a lot, but also I didn't feel like as much as it has been in some of her other novels. So I thought that was interesting. And she definitely does do a great job of, you know, highlighting similar themes throughout her novels, but with completely different characters and completely different situations and keeps it really fresh, even though this is, what now the third novel of hers that I've read about World War II because we've got the Rose Code, the Huntress, and this one. There might have been another one too, but it's the Alice like he, Network. Oh yeah, the Alice Network. So yeah, yeah. There's so many ones that have maybe similar backdrops or themes, but completely different plots and characters. And I just love all of them. Yes. <laughs> I love all of her characters. She does we a great job. all of them. I'm sure we'll eventually feature all of her books in the podcast. Yes. Um, so and there was starts... a nice crossover on this one. Yes. Just a, a short yeah. little crossover. If you have read The Huntress, you would get it. And yes. I was finished... like <laughs> texting Sydney, like, what, what part are you at? Trying to be all casual. <laughs> And I have no chill. I know. She was like, sending me, is this what happens? What about this? Like, all these guesses. I'm like, no, no. Like, just, just, you know, wait and see. But it was, yeah, it was just a cool little crossover that you could miss very easily. Um, But I thought was just kind of a a cool touch for Kate Quinn to add in there. I love when authors do that. When they weave little tidbits of their previous novels or characters into their current novel because it's it's like a little easter egg exactly and they all are happening in the same time frame so it's entirely plausible that these characters would run across each other at some point in some way so like we said she opens with the sharpshooter and eleanor roosevelt but then she does a five-year flashback to really introduce you to Mila and who she was before the war. So like we said in the summary, Mila is primarily a history student. She is very bookish. She is a you know history nerd. And she has a son, Slavka. And she's married but considers herself a single mother because her husband left pretty much as soon as Slavka was born. And he was, he's been out of their lives ever since. So Alexei Pavlichenko is her husband or her estranged husband. And he is a very ambitious uh, doctor. He's a surgeon, very high on himself, very yes. self-important. Um, overall, just a scumbag, <laughs> I think. He is. He's 
slimy and just a jerk like not one redeeming quality no and just when i i thought maybe by the end he was gonna redeem himself yes and he did not which no but honestly i'm I'm kind of glad because i was really like he's gonna swoop in and be this hero at the end and she always wanted him to be yeah she was always encouraging him to be a hero and so you would always think oh maybe she's you know rubbed off on him and then he would do something completely slimy and you're like oh never mind well and (laughs) he said himself that you know people are gonna know my name yes after this war and i'm gonna be a war hero and blah 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 and so we'll get into it later but it's so funny that people do know his name but not because of him and because of mila Yes, I do love that. Yes. So it opens on Mila and Alexi at a sharpshooting range. And, you know, he's basically bullying her the entire time. How, um, you know, their son is going to grow up soft and, you know, not having a man's influence. Although Alexi is the one who abandoned him, you know, (laughs) whatever. And... That is when Mila vows to be both mother and father to her son and when she signs up for some advanced target shooting course so that she can show her son that, you know, she can, women are strong, they can do it too, and also so that she can teach him and kind of be the both the male and female influence for her son. So just right away it shows you the kind of mother that Mila is and how much son and wants to raise him but without the toxic influence um, of his father because he he's he keeps saying you know like why doesn't father like me why doesn't he love me and that's just heartbreaking because I think he's like six at the beginning of the book so you know to be so young and to be thinking that it's just heartbreaking so that's when she's first introduced to shooting you know, she never had like a love for guns. She was never drawn to it, but she took it up in order to have, you know, the positive influence on her son's life. And that's when, you know, her journey as a sniper begins. You know, she passes the course with flying colors. You know, she's top of her class because Mila is very dedicated to whatever she sets her mind to. Like her personal motto is don't miss. And, of course, that applies to snipers. Yes. And it started a little bit as a challenge from Alexi because at the shooting range in that very opening scene, she goes to fire and she does miss. And he's making fun of her and basically like, see, I told you, you can't do it. Women can't do this. And now our son will never grow up to know. And that's what really sparks in her to say, no, I can do this. Maybe yes. I didn't today, but I will tomorrow. And so I love that grit and determination that she has. Absolutely. Absolutely. So she takes those courses, passes in flying colors, and then it kind of fast forwards in her life to where she's working on her dissertation in Odessa, you know, Like we said, primarily, first and foremost, she is a history student. That is her passion. And she's working 
on this dissertation so that she can obtain a degree and go work in Moscow with Slavka and build a better life for the two of them. But while she's in Odessa, they hear that Germany has officially invaded Russia and that the war has come to Russia at last. So she's amongst the first of her friends to sign up for the war and to go off to war. And she's, you know, she's like, I have this advanced sharpshooting course. I'm going to put this to use. I'm going to show my son, you know, to fight for your country, to stand up for what you believe in, to stand up to the enemy. You know, he doesn't need a father to show him that. I'm going to show him that. And really just immediately jumps into the action because it's, I think, the next day that she ships out to the front. I love that because it shows how things really were back then when whole countries would band together and in the blink of an eye, your whole life would change. Yeah. But you were, you were willing to do that for a cause that you believed in. And it was like, she talked about how it was just a normal day. She had been at the beach with her friends and then they went to the opera to see one of them performing. And she's like, I couldn't even make it through the whole show because I just was thinking about the war now so I just thought that was so interesting. It is. And it's very different from, you know, other World War II accounts because women didn't usually fight. Mm-hmm. You know, like the American women, they stayed home. They did their part at home in the Rose Code. They did their part from Bletchley Park but or, you know, in the medical battalions. But they never went to the front. And mm-hmm. Mila is immediately sent to the front. Just as a normal soldier, she's not a sniper yet but she quickly works up the ranks to become a sniper although i say quickly and not without you know obstacles and toxic masculinity you know she does face that you know russia allowed women to fight but they were still looked down upon and they were still looked at as inferior to the male soldiers but they were like you know the kind of mentality there was you know everybody fights for russia and everybody loves russia but that doesn't mean that, you know, she didn't encounter her fair share of toxic men. Right. And they they did allow women to fight, but I would still say it wasn't as common. And so no. that's kind of how she makes her first friend on the front is because I think on the train to wherever they were being stationed, there was only one other woman in the car. So they immediately sat together and started bonding. And that was her friend, Lena, who was there as a nurse and going on the front with the medical crew. And so, you know, that's how they became fast friends and they would kind of swap stories. And yeah, it's true that they, on the one hand, it's, it's really neat that they, were able to join just like men, but also the obstacles that they had to get through just to be treated as equal. Yes. Which really, I think Mila's skills spoke for themselves and she started gaining so much respect because of how great she was. Yes. And it almost became like a flip side where the, the guys in her squad and battalion they had so much respect for her at, at the, you know, closer to the end after she kind of moves her way up and, and proves herself for lack of better words, the guys really banded around her. And then it kind of became a joke when an, an incoming 
sergeant or army person who wasn't used to the rankings, he would automatically go to a male and assume that they were the head of yes. the group. And then they'd all kind of look at me like, no, that's her. She's the one in charge. So it was kind of funny how the tides turned and, and she was able to gain that respect, especially from her crewmates. Yes. I loved seeing that. And her meeting with Lena, you know, how they bonded together, not out of, you know, common interests or, you know, just friendly conversation, but out of that, you know, female needs to bond mm-hmm. together and protect each other. That reminded me of the Rose Code when Osla and Mab met on the train to Bletchley Park. And they bonded over that as well. Two very different people bonding over this one common cause. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just another little theme that Kate Quinn kind of weaves in there, which I loved. So like you said, Mila works her way up the ranks. She gets her own platoon. You know, she's making a name for herself. She may not be respected by the higher ups, but she's respected by the men in her platoon, just, you know, through her actions and, you know, her very steady hand and personality, you know, she is the person that you want next to you fighting because nothing seems to phase her, which just kind of blew my mind. You know, something would happen to her. She got injured a lot and she'd be like, you know, okay, I'm good. I just want to go back out and fight with my men Mm -hmm. and protect my country. You know, this was like her mission. And like we said, her, her motto is don't miss. And so she didn't want to miss this opportunity to help her country. So as she's going through the ranks and her various injuries, there's this little kind of cute scene at a bathhouse with Lena, her friend. Mm -hmm. Um, Mila had just injured herself. She was, you know, up in a tree as snipers do, you know, they need the the high ground. So she was up in a tree and when she came down, she actually fell out of the tree and injured her hip. So Lena's like, you know, let's go take you to the bathhouse. You can kind of sweat it out. And they kick out this civilian who Lena finds very attractive and makes it well known that she finds him very attractive. But there's just like some cute little banter. Mm-hmm. You know, you think it's this cute little side scene. Um but he comes to pl- in play again later. But while she's meeting this guy and training her own platoon, she's also looking for her partner. You know, snipers need to have partners. They need to have somebody to watch their back. And she still has yet to find that person. But she meets one, Costia, uh, in her own platoon that, you know, he is basically her shadow and that's how she describes him a lot he's very silent he's kind of like the literary brooding type you know he's reading Tolstoy's war and peace on on the front lines but they instantly kind of have this connection and this bond where they know that they would die for each other and he was the first one when she's sort of given her own platoon and so she is waiting there for all these men to come through and she's got she's reading a book she's got it up covering her badges and her ranks that are on her uniform and one of them starts giving her a hard time about oh where's the commander 
have you seen him in here? Basically, like, it's not you. And she said, oh, it's me. And he's, you know, giving her a hard time, teasing her, doesn't believe her. And so when she gets him all to attention and says, if you're in, step up. Like, if you can handle me being your leader, step forward and we'll get started. Uh, Kosi is the first one that steps forward, which I love. I love that. I instantly loved Kosia. Yes. Everyone was kind of shocked by it. And finally, the guy who was giving her a hard time, you know, steps forward too. And they end up having a good bond. He, Oh yeah. He just like, it was Theodore, I think. And he is just kind of a boisterous jokester, but she quickly gets his respect and all of their respect. And so they really do form a a tight knit group. And I loved reading about the different characters in her platoon. Yeah. They're like attached to them. Yes. Yes. You know, no matter how small of a part they play, you do get attached to them, like you said. Um, So they form this very tight bond as a platoon and she and Kosia become, you know, instant partners. But eventually the Russians are run out of Odessa by the Romanians and they are all sent to Sevastopol. I have no idea if I said that right. <laughs> Sounds right. Go with it. <laughs> but that is where she is reunited slash runs into her estranged husband Alexei on the boat from Odessa she runs into him and you know they have this encounter but unfortunately he is back in her life so just when you thought he was out and he was going to be gone yeah and he's he's just as vile as ever absolutely doesn't believe you know she actually accomplished everything you know kind of insinuates that she slept her way to the position that she's in um, but he is now back in her life and in the story. But she also runs into the civilian from the bathhouse, mm-hmm. um, who's, you know, coincidentally, his name is also Alexi, <laughs> but it's Alexi Kitsinko, or, you know, as his friends call him, um, Leonya. So he's back in her life, and, you know, she's obviously attracted to him, but he is, you know, a superior officer. So, she tries to stay away from him, but it turns out that Kitsinko and Kosia are, you know, best friends, which this was not the love triangle I was seeing. I thought that Kosia would be, you know, her main love interest. And then oh, along really? comes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I totally I like, didn't. Here we go. No, I definitely thought Kosia would be like her love interest. But then here comes Kitsinko, and he's the complete opposite of Kosia. He's the class clown. He charming. He's so charming. He says puns. He jokes. He's very light lighthearted in the middle of all this. You know, he takes his job very seriously, but he is, you know, back in the you know war camp. That's where his job mainly is, whereas Kosia and Mila are on the front lines. They're sent out on reconnaissance missions and, you know, sniping missions, or as they call hunting, you know, they go hunting. Um, so they're very different. I thought like the Mila and Kosia, since they were, they understood each other so well, that they would, you know, kind of be the love interest. But then along comes Kitsinko, and I immediately was like, I loved him as a character. I loved him so much. And that's so funny because I 
I really didn't think that she and Kostia were going to get together. Like I, th- I knew like, I was like, there's going to be something more here. Cause she kept saying, you know, my shadow, my partner, just like, you know, I just was like, there's gotta be something more there. But then Kitsingo, Kitsinko comes in and he is what she needed because he was her total opposite. And, and he, he brought out the light heart hearted side of her, you know? Yes. And he was more forthcoming with his pursuit. Yeah. Like he pursued yeah, her very like, hard. Rudy, like in the background. Every now and there was like a moment when she was injured that he like took her Kosia took mm-hmm. her hand and like held it up to his heart and she was like nope and like took her hand away because she's like I don't want to ruin this partnership with him right and that's you know? what I thought I was like and I was like could it see it in there but I was like they're not like she's not going to cross that line because it would be so weird if it didn't work and now yes. you you have to trust this person with your life yes they do have your life in their hands and you have theirs when you're working in that kind of environment so Honestly, I didn't think that they would cross that line. And I didn't even see it coming until Kostia said, basically, I've always been in love with you. <laughs> I mean, I guess I I felt the seeds planted, but I was like, okay, nothing's going to happen from it, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so that's so interesting that we had different points yeah. of view. But I Immediately love my like, oh. love story plot line radar like went off but she did a good job with it like she did uh, she always does but like you said okay so I'm a flipper which I haven't (laughs) done but I did notice there were pictures in the back of the book so I of course flipped to look at those because I oh yeah that's visualize Mm -hmm. who (laughs) it truly was it truly was other than I was I would see I counted what the page count was because I for a while, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, you have to read this many pages a night or you're not going to make it for <laughs> yeah. this book. So I was trying to pace myself. But I was looking at the pictures so that I could visualize, you know, like what she looked like and all that. And there was a picture of her and Kitsinko. And I was like, oh, yes. yay, we're all good. Yes. And as are... I was reading, I kept getting this dread and yes. I kept I kept flipping back to that picture, and I'm like, <laughs> "You're like, here they are together, like know, right like, together. I'm like, yes. It's gonna be okay." But then I was thinking, "Okay, when was this picture taken? Yeah, like what? What's the time frame case? on this?" And yes. when I saw that, I'm like, "Oh God, this was still during the war." I was like, "Something bad, something yeah. bad is coming." Yeah, something just there's like little foreshadowing, um, but Ugh. she was hesitant like you said Kitsinko was very forthcoming with his pursuit of her you know he would always joke about you know when we're married when we get married and um all or this when I kiss you even. yeah like, when he... I kiss you yeah or like does that earn me a kiss you know he was just very very flirtatious but she was hesitant because she's like obviously attracted to him but she didn't want to get involved with someone of a higher rank and then be accused of, you know, sleeping her way to the top like her husband, Alexi, previously accused her of. And she wanted to earn her rank and her accomplishments on her own without, you know, kind of having that stain on her um, reputation. <laughs> Which 
I respect it, but then it's also just goes to show the, you know, duality and the unfairness. I can't get the word out that I'm trying to say, but like <laughs> the men are encouraged to go sleep with anyone and everyone that walks by yeah. and no one would think anything of it. But here, yeah. one wrong move and she's accused of sleeping her way to the top or, yeah. you know, could... If things went wrong, she would probably be the first, the woman would be the first one to get the boot because they're not going to believe her story over his. And it's like, there's so much extra that they had to think about versus the men who just got to high five and move on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The double standard is disgusting. Yes, that was the word. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) So, you know, there's you know, like tension between her and Kitsinko. Um, but they finally do get together. And oh. you were texting me about it. You're like, they got to get together. You're like, this. Ha- I love Kitsinko. Like, this has to happen. And he, she's like afraid that he will try to hold her back. You know, she feels that her place is on the front. And she didn't want a man holding her back from that as well. You know, being like, I don't want you to get hurt. Stay here. Like, don't go out hunting like they do every night um but Kitsinko was like that's part of you you know that's part a part of you that I love is you know the soldier and your devotion to this country and to this cause so you know she would still go out with Kosia which I was like this has to be awkward for him because it's his best friend and his partner but he was very just like chivalrous about it and you know didn't never said anything about it to them he was just very supportive and nothing really in any of their friendships or relationships changed which is amazing um but one of the coolest scenes in the book i think was the german sniper duel Mm-hmm. There's a lot of very intricate scenes that we haven't gone into. You know, you get to discover them for yourself because it's, I just think, fascinating to see how much research had to go into this book. But the German sniper duel, I think, deserves to be talked about because it was, I don't know, it was, I could see it playing out on a movie screen, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, so. In essence, there was a German sniper that was picking off some of the Russian men and nobody could figure out where he was. Nobody could get to him. So they send out Mila and Kosia to figure out where he is and how he's so successful at taking out their men. And they find him and then they spend a couple days, you know, checking out his nest, watching his movements you know, building their own, you know, kind of sniper trench. There's a lot that goes into it. You know, this wasn't like a quick, oh, we're going to go find him and take him out. It probably lasted, what, three or four days? Yeah. It's like truly stalking someone. It's so yes. interesting to to read about how, yeah, how intricate it was and how you really have to sit there and stake them out and get to know their patterns and their movements yes. to a T. Then it comes down to the big, you know, sniper battle. You know, he knows they're there. They know that he is there. And it's all about who can outsmart the other, which I, it was like very tense time for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) reading this book. I'm like, there's, you know, 200 pages left. I know like Mila has to survive, but you know, you never know. Like Kostya might not, 
Anytime there was yes, like action scenes like this, I was my heart was like literally pounding because yeah. I, just, I was like, like someone's gonna, gonna die. die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like every yeah, like you said, every time I turned the page, I was convinced it's gonna read about somebody who died. Mm-hmm. But um, obviously, Mila comes out on top of that sniper duel, and you know she's very happy. She's in love. You know. Kit Cinco wants to marry her. She's, you know, putting off the divorce with Alexi. She's tried to divorce him several times, but he doesn't show up for the meetings. And then, you know, it's kind of fled her mind ever since joining the war. But now she has this man that she loves and she can see a life with. And she wants to divorce Alexi for him so that she can, you know, finally build this life she wants but she's also very aware of how close she is to death every day and she's becoming more and more convinced that the next time she gets injured it's going to be the time that she's actually killed and this instead of you know in wartime I felt I feel like marriages and love were more quickly done and, Mm and sealed signed sealed delivered um but she's the opposite. It holds her back. And she's like, well, you know, I might die tomorrow. I don't want to, like, cause another person pain. I don't want to be a burden to them. And so she, instead of, you know, embracing life to the fullest, like Katsinka wants to, he's the opposite. He's, you know, we might die tomorrow. Let's get married today. Let's start mm-hmm. our life today. You know, he's very much that person. It holds her back. And after one of her, you know, hunting trips, she comes back to his, what they call a dugout. And, you know, they kind of wake up for breakfast and she's very happy. She has Kostya. She has um, Kitsinko. It's just a normal day. It's just a normal day. And if you're a Kate Quinn fan, you know something (laughs) is about to go wrong. And that's when a German shell hits their camp you know they go off every morning they are so used to it they're just like oh it's you know the morning choir the morning orchestra you know what are they playing today but then a shell hits right by their campfire and kind of you know blows them all apart except and- oh but Kitsinko ex- like pulls her yes. under him yes. and is protecting her Yes. So which immediately I was like, he's protecting her. This can't go well for him. But then, you know, the attack ends. They all get up. Everybody seems fine. You know, she's checking on everyone. But then she looks over at Kitsingo and, you know, sees like his arm is kind of dangling. He's covered in blood. He tries to joke it off, but like slumps over. Yeah, slumps over. So they rush him to the medical battalion where, you know, Mila has been several times and they rush him into surgery and it's actually Alexi, her estranged husband that operates on him. You know, he's a scumbag, but he's also the best surgeon that they have. Mm -hmm. So he gets to work on him immediately. And, you know, she's beyond grief. You know, she's beside herself and Kosi is there with her and the surgeon comes out and is like, you know, his right arm had to be amputated, you know, it was barely hanging on, and you're like, oh, okay, an amputated arm, you can live with that. 
But then the other surgeon says, but it was, you know, the shrapnel that made things difficult. And you immediately, my heart immediately just like yeah. plummeted. And I felt it break because I was like, this is it. Yeah. This is it. And, you know, they, he doesn't die in surgery, but he dies later with both Kosia and Mila at his bedside. And I thought there was a chance. Like, there was a little she, yeah, she, like, where, convinces you that he might pull through. Yeah, because he, he make you know, he's in recovery, and they're like, okay, he might wake up, or yeah. whatever, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's gonna be fine, and then oh, and then the most heartbreaking. Yeah. And she refers to him as her second husband. You know, mm-hmm. she's like, because they're like, if you talk to him, if you talk to him, it might help. And so she's talking about their marriage and eventually it morphs into the life they're going to have. And she convinces herself that it's real and that they were married. You know, instead of saying, we're going to get married, we're going to get married. She starts saying, we are married. We're married. You have to come out of this so that, you know, we can start our life together. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It is so heartbreaking. Um, I had to stop. I had to like pause from reading it because I was like, I can't. Like, oh my gosh. And Um, she just like spirals. I think that's what got me more is how they like basically put her on bed rest for a little bit and were like having to sedate her. Yes. Because she was just so distraught, which is horrifying. It's like she's seen so much yes. bad things. She's left her, had to leave her child, literally looked hundreds of people in the eye as she's killed them, lost other friends. And it's like it took this one thing yeah, to kind of break her. And it was really hard to read about and sad to read about. Yes. But her motto, as we've mentioned several times, is don't miss. And she sees this as missing out on a life that she could have had. You know, she's like, I should have married him. I should have gotten the divorce sooner. This is something I missed out on. And she takes it very, very hard, which, you know, I don't blame her. But like you said, it is heartbreaking to read her reaction mm-hmm. to it. Um, so Kitsinko passes away. She, you know, goes through her grief she tries to get back out as a sniper you know she wants to kill as many of the germans as she can because she's like any one of them could be the one that killed my husband Mm -hmm. and so she kind of goes out with a vengeance you know even more vengeance but um, eventually she gets injured again along with kostia and the rest of her platoon and they are both sent to Moscow. Unfortunately, she and Kosi are the only ones who survive. And this is the part that got me. Like, I was really upset when Kitsinko died. Yes. But I didn't cry, surprisingly. But I was just very like, (laughs) I don't like, I don't like this. It was really upsetting. But when she wakes up, like, they get under attack she blacks out, gets injured, whatever. She wakes up on this ship and trying to learn what happened. At this point, she doesn't know that Kosi is alive. She thinks that there's no one from her platoon left. Yes. And she starts, like, she rolls over and finds her bag of stuff 
and she pulls out Kostia's copy of War and Peace. Yes. And that's when I started crying. That's when he started, because he thought he was dead as well. It was just the whole thing of like, oh my gosh, but she's, either he left it for her, knowing that she was getting sent off, or in the hubbub, someone else grabbed it and sent it with her. And I was just like, oh my gosh, because that had kind of been a theme with them, like, she would tease him about reading it, and he always had it with him, he would use it as a stand for his rifle sometimes or put it under his head to prop his head up. Yes. Yes. And it was really special to him because it had belonged to his grandma. And so when she had that, I was like, Oh my gosh. And I realized that probably no one, any of these characters that we've gotten attached to, like none of them were left. That's when I started crying. Yeah. It is a heartbreaking scene because, you know, she's confused. She wants to go back and, and fight with them but and find out you know what happened to them mm-hmm. but she's sent to moscow after that and eventually she does get a letter from kosia that he survived you know he injured his knee and he will never be sent back to the front because he now has to use a cane but this is when the storylines all start to line up because in Moscow, she's identified as this very successful sniper. You know, she has done several, like, speaking engagements. She's done parades. And now she has been identified as one of the Russian ambassadors that they're going to send to America on the Goodwill trip. And this is to convince Roosevelt to send more troops to the Russian front. You know, they're to helping send them supplies and yeah, aid. Yeah, they're helping the allies, but they're not really helping Russia. And Russia's like, we need help. Like we are, you know, losing ground. We're losing our country. Like you need to send us supplies. So this is, you know, kind of their way of convincing the Americans to do that. So Mila against her will is sent to America, but then she kind of takes Kostya with her because he speaks English and, you know, they needed a Russian translator. So she, you know, was like, I know this person, he can't fight. Like you need to send him as a translator. So Mila and Kostya and Alexei, mm-hmm. her strange husband are sent to America for this trip. And this is where the storylines finally line up. And this is when the book is gets extremely fast paced to me. Like I enjoyed everything up until this point, but now things are rolling. Yes. Um, she's introduced to Eleanor Roosevelt and she's introduced to America. You know, she doesn't like the Americans at first. Um, I can't blame her. They're very rude. They have different ideas of like the women's part in the war. And, and they, they want to make a joke out of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. They would ask her, you know, like, you know, is that the uniform you wear on the front? Like the cut isn't very flattering or, you know, what kind of underwear do you wear on the front? Just extremely inappropriate. Yeah. Or what jokes. makeup do you wear? Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. have time for makeup because I'm literally fighting for my life. Yeah. I'm but... just like, oh, girl, I don't blame you for hating the Americans. So they don't get off, um, on, you know on the right foot but Eleanor kind of identifies her 
as a diamond in the rough, if you will. You know, she's like, this girl can convince America to send over supplies and to send their aid. We just, you know, kind of have to shine her up a bit. Um, So, like we said, Alexi, her estranged husband, is sent over there as well. And this is when he really starts to try to worm his way back into her life because, he's, like you said, he's always said, I want to make a name for myself. And while he is the best surgeon on the front line, that's not getting him very much recognition. And Mila is getting more recognition than him. So he started telling everyone, oh, yeah, we're married. That's my wife. You know, isn't she great? And trying to worm his way back into her life uh, for his own gain. Yeah, exactly. Like, ugh, so gross. And so, yeah, it's the typical of, you know, he did not believe in her from the beginning at all. He tried to shoot her down, for lack of a better word. But now that she's successful <laughs> and she's the girl sniper that everyone wants to meet and can't believe, he's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's my wife. Yeah. Like, dude, no, get out of here. Yeah, get out <laughs> Yes. So, you know, Mila kind of becomes overwhelmed by everything happening in DC. And, you know, she takes herself shopping. She's like, let me, I'm going to try and be a woman again. Like, I want to feel like a woman again. So she goes shopping and she kind of walks through DC, which was really cool for me to read because I knew everywhere that they were talking about. I'm like, oh, I've been there. I've been there. So I could really picture it. You know, obviously not it looks a lot different now, but it was cool to read about like such familiar places, but she ends up going for a walk and ends up in rock Creek park, which ironically I went hiking there last weekend and she's walking around and she ends up at Boulder bridge, which again, that's where I went hiking, like that very bridge. Um, So that was very ironic. This is before I even purchased the book, but I felt like this was a very like foreshadowing moment when she was walking through because she was identifying places that snipers could hide and you know what the best vantage point and she just went into such detail I was like the story is going to come back here you know like this isn't just like a quick you know walk through the park Kate Quinn writes with purpose I didn't really pick up on that because she and Costia had kind of made it a game like yeah anywhere they would go and especially in the states you know when they were outside taking a smoke break they'd be looking around and pointing out you know how many different places could we set up here and where's the best vantage point so it's really interesting because yeah I didn't I mean at the end I was like oh okay it's coming full circle when things do take place at the bridge but I hadn't made that connection as I was reading it yeah so Kate Gwen does a great job of setting up, uh, you know, the final duel there. Um, but the sharpshooter, as we mentioned, he's sprinkled throughout the plot. Um, you know, he just talks about, you know, how he doesn't believe that Mila is the real deal. And he talks about how he's going to assassinate FDR on the last day of the International Student Conference. But his plans are foiled. Um, but Mila's trip is extended to a cross-country tour. You know, she's then sent to, you know, Baltimore, New York, Chicago, L.A., Fresno. She's sent all over the country 
to speak to these crowds and really drive up the support behind Russia and to send aid to Russia. And this was all Eleanor Roosevelt's doing, Mm -hmm. which, you know, she was, you know, her husband's shadow and she makes a name for herself, of course, but she does a lot of work for her husband behind the scenes that a lot of people don't recognize. Mm-hmm. She was the mastermind behind a lot of things yes. that FDR gets credit for or is known yes. for. But a, she was very influential in that aspect. But I mean, are we surprised? Of no. course, there's a strong woman behind the president. Come on, people. There's a yeah. theme. There's a theme. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on this trip she also begins to grow closer to Kostya she's a little worried that their friendship and relationship had kind of fractured because they hadn't had a chance to talk since Moscow but they begin to you know grow closer to each other and he again admits his feelings for her and he was like I know uh, Leonia or Kitsinko just died six months ago but you know I've felt this for you since the very beginning and if this war has taught us anything. It's you can't miss a chance and you can't pass up a chance. You can't wait for this. And so she's trying to figure out those feelings out and she's trying to figure out her new role for the Russian army, which has her very, very confused. But finally in Chicago, she kind of silences her doubters because she's doing a demonstration or a speech for everyone and, some of the uh, men there are like, oh, you know, if you're the real deal, why don't you give us a demonstration? Because she kind of always refused before. So then people were like, oh, she's just here for propaganda. This is just Russian propaganda. Like, this isn't real. She can't actually shoot this well. And she kind of proves her doubters wrong, which I loved this scene. Because, it's, yeah, it's just like a bunch of Midwestern guys, you know, like, we'll shoot with you, you know, like kind of like target practice. Um but and a they competition. had fun. Like she said, Mila said something after about this was the first time on the tour that I kind of relaxed and enjoyed myself because yeah, she's yeah, she with the guys. Yeah, she's like it felt like the old times with my platoon where we all you know had a beer afterwards or had some whiskey afterwards and we were just laughing and and joking around and. I loved it because it was set in Chicago. And I'm like, this is just like yes. the Midwest. Yes. <laughs> I can see it, it perfectly. Is... Absolutely. Yes. And they gift her a pair of, you know, Colt pistols yeah. afterwards. And like you said, she just had fun. And that's when she kind of proved the world wrong. And she became this huge sensation. You know, her fan base grew. But the, you know, unnamed sharpshooter was kind of like oh she can shoot Mm -hmm. she's real and it kind of threw him off balance because he was operating under the assumption that she was just propaganda she was a propaganda piece she didn't actually you know she was a pretty face to encourage aid for their war effort so now he goes back to Washington DC and has to rethink his approach framing her for the assassination of the president because he was like this is perfect the perfect storyline you know russian sniper befriends first lady and then murders the president you know like he had this all you know planned out in his mind and, and it at was one- just chances that it didn't happen like he was going to do it 
before, but then the president, you know, ended up not coming to an event that he was supposed to come to. So there was all these different circumstances that kind of kept foiling his plan. Yeah. And really kept it engaging because I kept, I eventually I'm like, okay, he's just going to give up on this framing Mila plot, but he never did. He just was like, well, guess we'll have to wait for another time. Yeah. Well, it really shifted. You could see his focus shift from assassinating the president to taking her down. Mm-hmm. Um, you could see his kind of creepy, odd fascination with her. Yeah. So one part I really liked um, of this book was whenever Mila visited FDR's estate in Hyde Park. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where you can kind of see her and Eleanor grow closer. But that's also where she kind of learns an important life lesson from Eleanor, you know, her whole motto, her whole life has been don't miss. And she holds herself to an impossible standard because of that. And Eleanor tells her that she's like, you have to forgive yourself if you do miss because you're going to miss. Mm -hmm. And one of the quotes in the book says, the world won't smite you for the occasional misfire. Mm -hmm. And I just really love that. And I think it's an important theme, you know, you, you, can't be perfect all the time and you have to forgive yourself for that and Mila hasn't forgiven herself for that and I definitely do think it was a really cool layer and like you said a life lesson to learn of she's lived her whole life of don't miss but how much did you miss out on yes by not trying certain things and it's reminds me of that you know, like cheesy quote, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take (laughs) type thing. But it's like, it's true. And Eleanor kind of says, obviously in a sniper, you have to be very precise and detailed and it's a great goal to never miss. But she's like here, you know, we try and fill all the times. How many things do you think my husband has tried that didn't go well, but we just, you know, pivot and move on and try again. And so I think it was a really interesting layer for them to get to have that conversation and and kind of change each other's perspectives. Yeah. I thought, I just really liked that scene. It was one of the quieter scenes in the book. And, you know, you really appreciate those moments that Kate Quinn, you know, created. So she and Eleanor become very close on this trip But eventually Eleanor goes back to D.C. a few days before Mila and the rest of the group. And that's when Mila and Kostia kind of come together. And, you know, he once again, he confesses his love for her. And she takes that into mind. You know, that's after Eleanor tells her, you know, you can't hold yourself to that standard. You have to take chances. And she's like, I've missed you know, the chance to be with the love of my life. And I have another guy right here and I can't miss it this time, which I just loved her coming to that realization. And And it's such a good example of the resiliency of love, especially because I even remember reading like, oh no, like she's after Kitsinko died, like, she's gonna end up alone and I don't want that that's not how I want it but I just really loved that she gave love a second chance and it was more of the opposite like before she I think she I think she was so afraid with Kitsinko because she had her guard up 
for her own protection of, you know, what if you become so important to me and then I die or you die? Yes. Kind of what if the negative side and held on to that. But now she's on the other side and she's like, no, I, I need to give this love a chance again because you're not guaranteed anything. So yeah. I really loved that they they did end up together. Yeah, because she was like, you know, it has only been six months, but I have him here now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can grieve together and we can heal together. And so, yeah, I love that they ended up together. And they um, had this beautiful moment where they both were like, okay, the elephant in the room is what would he think? Like, that's yeah. what Mila is thinking. Is, that's what oh, I was what thinking would he think? Too. I was like, dude, that was his best <laughs> Kosi is thinking, oh, man, I know he's up there. Like, what What are you doing, buddy? But they had this moment where they both look at each other and like, you know, I think he would be happy. He yeah. loved both of them so much that for them to find happiness together, you know, he would want that for us. And I just thought that was so beautiful that, yes. one, they they had that discussion with each other, but that – they did see it that way. And I do think so too. Cause like he was such a, a likable guy and a he likable was. dude. That, I really do think he would be happy for them. Yeah. They both in their different ways loved him so much that it's not like they're doing it out of ill will. And it's not like Kosia ever tried to steal her away. There was right. never any of that. It was just like. He was happy for them. Yes. And now it's the chance to be happy together. Yeah. So. I loved that. The big ending scene of the book is, you know, the the party is back in D.C. and they're throwing a farewell party at the White House to send the Russian delegation off. And this is when the sharpshooter has kind of reframed his assassination plot. Is He's like, I'll do it at this party while she's still on American soil so I can still frame her. But she has some felt something has been off this entire time and she finally kind of puts all the pieces together which we won't give away because they're very clever they are super clever coming i I, didn't either i like audibly gasped i was like oh my god i did not see that coming at all i did too because yeah we won't get into the full spoiler that is something we will not spoil you should discover that for yourself because it is so clever so well done props to kate quinn i didn't see it coming yeah at all um but she finally puts all the pieces together and you know she's like something is wrong she's like get the president inside she figures out where the sharpshooter is going to take his shot because she's a sniper herself and she's like if I did it it would be from there and so she immediately runs over there they kind of get in to a struggle and the sharpshooter takes off and she is in hot pursuit you know she doesn't know she never learned how to drive which is something she always regretted so she has to get Alexi her ex or should be ex-husband uh to drive her which is what you think is going to be his big hero moment, right? This yes. is going to be his character arc. Because it comes to play, too. Like, he just happened to be down there because he mm-hmm. had teamed up with this sharpshooter. Kind of on the, like, this sharpshooter sought him out because Alexi found out that Kosia and Mila were together and he was enraged because he'd been trying to win her back and they mm-hmm. could become this power couple, blah, blah, whatever. 
So the sharpshooter is like, well, hey, I, I'm going to try to embarrass her and I'm going to try to, you know, take her down a notch. She's getting too high, high up on her high horse. Why don't you help me? And so Lex is like, yeah, yeah, let's knock her down a peg. Yeah. So he's kind of involved in the setup. Supposedly he didn't know how bad it was going to be. But yeah, you do think that's going to be his redeeming moment of, oh, he was going to be underhanded a part of this, but now he can be the one to help her get away and catch this bad guy. And and she's even telling him, like, this is your chance. You'll become the hero if you help me stop this guy. We just saved the American president. Like, this yeah. is the chance to have your name in lights like you've always wanted. And so. Yeah. So. Yeah. They're in hot pursuit of the sharpshooter, and where does he take them? Rock Creek Park. Because she had, you know, kind of identified a rock outcropping in her walk there previously. Like, that's the ideal vantage point. And that's where the sharpshooter goes to kind of hunt her down. So it's an immediate flashback to the German sniper duel, at least for me. Yes. Um, the, it was a great, like you said, full circle moment. And, very, and my heart very, was pounding. Yeah, in very different circumstances. Because, yeah, now you're at the end of the book. There's not 200 pages left that Mila, you know, needs to survive to tell the story. You're at the end. So you don't know what's going to happen at this point. And it's night. She's in, you know, this evening gown. He has the, you know, sniper rifle. She has the Colt pistol that she was gifted in Chicago. She, you know, kind of grabbed that from the... Which she's never shot. She's never shot an American-style gun like this. Exactly. And, like, the storm is rolling in. Like, the scene is perfectly set. Again, I could see And it's Halloween night. Yeah. Which is even better as a spooky season lover. I was like, this is perfect. (laughs) I could see this on the big screen. And, yeah, so there's this very tense you know, sniper tool again. And she's constantly thinking of ways to outsmart him because she's like, I'm at the disadvantage. He has the rifle. I have the pistol I've never shot before. I'm in an evening gown. It's freezing. He is the high ground. She's like, so instead of, it's of course going to come down to the marksman skills, but also who's the smarter sniper. And so that it was not only a battle of skill, but a battle of intelligence and like the wit. And that was very, very fun for me. Um, and she eventually does outsmart him. She kind of like builds a decoy at the bridge, which again is, you know, a throwback to the German sniper duel. And, and she dresses it with, diamonds that she had gifted which just ties it full circle to the title but yes she's like i can't she had taken them off because she's like the glint off of these brand new diamonds from the moon will give me away but that's also what she uses to set up this decoy and draw his attention to the decoy which i loved like that little detail was just so clever yes it was just brilliant and so eventually like we said, she comes out on top. She, um, you know, shoots him. And then she's exhausted. She's freezing. She's coming out of the woods. And she had told Alexi to go back to the White House or the embassy and tell them what was happening. And she's like, either I'm going to come out of the woods 
or he's going to get away. Like mm-hmm. those are the two possibilities. And she comes out of the woods and Alexi's still there. And you're like, oh my gosh, he waited for her. You're like, this oh. is his moment. This is his character. I thought I I was like for a brief second. I yeah. was like, this is his supposedly his redeeming moment. And then he tries to shoot her. Yeah. He takes the other pistol from the, you know, pistol set she was gifted and he tries to kill her because he was like, this is going to be my moment. You know, I was going to go in and try to rescue my wife, but it was going to be too late. And, you know, all this bullshit, essentially, that he was trying to build a name for himself. And that's when she kind of feeds him the line is, you know, I once told you your name would be famous. You would be a hero of the Soviet Union, but I'm the one who named, made your name famous, not you. And mm, your name I is known it. because of me. And I love, she was playing to his temper and she wanted to get him mad. Um, you know, it was part of her, you know, tact to outwit him. And eventually, you know, his anger gets the better of him and you know, he kind of fires wildly, just offhand, trying to get her, and she, you know, shoots Alexi and walks back to the White House. And once she gets there, five I'm miles. Like, yeah, it's a, it is a long way from Rock Creek Park to the yeah. White House. Let me tell you. So and she she's barefoot in, in the winter. Yeah. In an evening gown. Yes. It's just after, and she, you know, Alexi managed to injure her when, you know, she thought he was trying to, you know, finally become a good person and said he shot her. Um, so she gets back there and you're like, all right, she's going to like tell everyone this story. And then she doesn't, she like tells everyone it's fine. Don't worry. I went for a walk. Come see me in 30 minutes in my room. <laughs> <laughs> like she like pulls herself together and yeah. goes up to her room and then she's like my car key like my my car key edit that out <laughs> oh my, my gosh. key card <laughs> her room key they did not have key cards in the 40s okay I'm sorry her physical her room, room key, key. <laughs> okay this is staying in by the way <laughs> okay thank you I'm, a, I'm running off four hours of sleep. That's my excuse. It's okay. <laughs> she's like, my room key. Like, she lost her room key, but her her door opens and there's Kosia. And she confesses everything to him. So well, very few like people. They just spent all of, the, she just spent months yes. on this dog and pony show trying to get goodwill relations. Yeah. So it's like, you. she can't really come out and say, oh okay but I had to kill someone to stop them from killing you like yeah, yeah she was worried about the stain it would make yeah, on the because... Soviets if it was got out what really happened yes because there was no identification on the assassin so she's like I can't prove that this was his plot you know so very few people know the real story they say you know at the end that she told Eleanor and she's one of the few Americans who know the story but yeah, after that, just like very tense, action-packed finale. She finishes the goodwill tour to convince everyone 
um, to help Russia. She gets back to Russia thinking she'll be sent back to the front, but instead she is made into a sniper instructor. And, you know, she's kind of like, I felt my place with that was at the front, but I actually got to train several female snipers and, you know, I felt that I was put to good use and, you know, each of their kills was added to my tally and, you know, my success was in their success. And I thought that was amazing. And then, you know, the very end of the book is when Eleanor is coming to Russia and kind of a reverse goodwill trip, you know, it's America coming to Russia to convince them that they can still be allies because by now that relationship has fractured and they're no longer allies. And it's, you know, Mila's older, Eleanor's older, um, FDR has passed away. And so there's just this very sweet moment where they get to commiserate as friends and, just kind of you know it's implied that they were pen pals and they kept up with each other over the years and you know Mila wrote to her whenever FDR passed away and just get to see these two women who shared a very you know meaningful friendship and interactions with each other over the years kind of you know get to know each other again and catch up and it was just like a very sweet ending to a very like tense action-packed story i think i loved it i did too it was very resolved yes everything's tied up yes she and kosir are married yes and her son slavka is i think in university at that point and he's grown up to be successful and so it was good to see that after all she went through she was able to yeah. have us and after being yeah after being a sniper instructor for the rest of the war she then goes on to publish her dissertation and mm-hmm. become the historian that she always dreamed to be so it's nice to see that she got to achieve her original dream and live the quiet life in moscow with her husband and her son and you know their dogs that they wanted and mm-hmm. it was just a very very sweet ending i loved it I do too. It was a good, a good book for sure. It was. I loved it. Fascinating. And it was so cool that it is based on a real person. And at first I, I think I struggled with that a little because we've been kind of heavier into nonfiction and reading biographies and autobiographies. So as I was reading this, I was like, okay, but I just want to know what really happened. Like, I want to know yeah, from her point of view. It was hard for me to switch gears to be reading a fictionalized account of a real person. Yeah, But then when I read the author's note at the end, which I love an author's note. Yeah, I don't even know why. I just, sometimes I enjoy the author's note just as much as I do the I... actual novel. Yeah, I don't normally read them, but ever since oh my we gosh. started this, I have, well, most of it's like, thanks. They're just like thanking people, which, you know, they should. It's great. I don't but... care. I will read everyone. I'm like, who, who helped you? Who's your best friend? Yeah. <laughs> Who's your favorite person? Like, I will read all of that. Yeah. This author's note I thought was amazing. Um, but and it yeah, she does how much detail. True. And... Yeah. Because she did read. There's a book, uh, you know, Mila's 
the real Mila Pavlichenko's memoir. Mm-hmm. She read that and she's like, of course, it's going to be embellished with Russian propaganda. And she's like, these are the parts I didn't believe. And these are the parts that I felt were embellished. But for the most part, I thought her story was real. And this is why. And I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, it was so interesting how she talked about how, you know, I took I took parts of this from her own words. Yes. And yeah, it was I definitely changed my thoughts on it from when I first started because I was like, this was very true to life. And now I'm interested to read the actual memoir and autobiography from Mila. So I'm definitely going to add that to my list. Yes. Yeah. Put it on the list. Um, Yes. Yeah. So overall, loved this book. Absolutely loved it. Highly recommend it as well as every Kate Quinn novel. But yeah, this one definitely did not disappoint. Absolutely. And there was a part in the author's note, which I'm going to just try to manifest it into reality. But she kind of ended the author's note um, where it says, it's sometimes said that World War II was won with British intelligence, American steel, and Soviet blood. And then she goes on to talk a little bit more. And she says, in the Rose Code, I wrote about the war through the lens of British intelligence. The diamond eye is seen through the lens of Soviet blood. And now I'm ready for the one, the novel about American Steel. I was like, yes. just round out the yes. little you trilogy. Know she has to. You know she has to. Yes. And I'm Absolutely. like, oh, how There's cool no would that be? There's no way she just tease us with that. Yeah. So I'm hoping that was a little... Yeah, like a little of, preview to maybe her next novel. Yes, something that she's going to be working on. And I had never really thought of it in that aspect. Yeah. And that's what I love about these novels is that it really adds so much more layer and depth to the things that we learned about in history class. Yes, absolutely. I think it's it is kind of true, at least in our American education, we don't talk about how much the Soviets played a part in the war and how right. they were we were on the same side during it that we were both fighting the Germans and so I think that was so interesting yes to have that I will say later. I'm just gonna say Kate Quinn has the reputation for publishing a new novel every one to two years so I'm just saying Next year or two years, we might see the American Steel. I hope so. Hopefully, I'm here come for around it. Out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, as is tradition with our favorite novels that have not been adapted to TV or movie, mm-hmm. I of course had to be thinking if I were to cast this for you know a film adaptation who could I see in the major roles and I thought about Mila, Kosia, uh, Kitsinko and Alexi. Perfect that's who I also picked. I'm so excited because personally I think my cast is great. (laughs) They're older than the characters in the novels but you know there can be a little bit of uh you know creative freedom there but i we always make up for that exactly we always have such differing ideas 
of like who should be cast i'm really excited to hear who you oh have. yeah i'm excited too okay uh so do you want to just kick it off with mila absolutely yeah main character okay our, our heroine yes so and this is probably so dumb <laughs> but i'm going with it after <laughs> okay. i thought about it um i okay. put mila kunis one oh because God. because oh, the name association <laughs> yeah. first off that's just what i was thinking of yes. but then when i was googling like actresses she popped up i'm like you oh know my gosh. she's no that is hair. perfect yes. she could definitely be really gritty like she yeah. could i think she could play a soldier and, and she's ukrainian exactly she's ukrainian and oh my gosh that's so perfect. All right, I was like, you, you know what? I'm, on I'm going for it. Okay. <laughs> well, I thought it was yeah. too obvious. I was like, no, everyone's going to roast brilliant. me for this with the Mila names, but that's just what I thought no. of. No, I'm embarrassed that I didn't think of it. Because okay, she was so actually who's... hard for me to think of. Well, it was hard for me because, like we said, there's photos at the back. So, like, I had a, pi- I had a picture of her in my mind as her. So, normally, I'm... I'm yeah, kind of picturing famous people or like who yeah. I would think they would look like, but with this, I'm like, okay, I know what she looks like and whatnot. But okay, who did you pick? I picked Alicia Vikander or Vikander from The Danish Girl. She is very. I'm gonna look not her obscure. up because I she's don't not as know. well known. She did win an Oscar for the Danish Girl, but she hasn't done a whole lot like in the past few years. Okay, but I just thought of her. I thought she could pull off. Oh, know, I can see it. Yeah, I think she's. Gorgeous. They kind of have that same look too. Yeah, like, the darker like, hair. Yeah, I think she could pull off. You know, like the pretty girl, but badass vibe you know i can see it i like that yeah so that's who i had for mila i only had one i only have one for each of them okay okay i first i'm have two because that's just how i am (laughs) um okay so for kitsinko okay i put alexander skarsgård oh my god sydney is that who you put no, I have him for Alexi. What the hell? Yes. <laughs> no, okay, no, no. Yes, no, no he can no. pull off the asshole, like, because he's supposed to be good looking. He can, but I don't want to think of him that way. I know, but <laughs> he I can't do he it. Be so. so, actually, honestly, my Alexi and my Kitsinko, you could definitely, like, they could play either role. So. Okay. They do. Alexander I mean, they were Skarsgård. Yes, as Alexi. Oh, that's crazy. That is so funny. Okay. Well, my second pick for uh, Kitsinko was Ryan Gosling. Like, oh, the yeah. Notebook era, just because. Yeah. You know, Noah was in the war, and he had that whole like bantering and badgering of "I'm going to take you on a date, and we're going to fall in love" type thing. Like, yes. I just got. Vibe. So originally, I was thinking Alexander Skarsgård as Kostia because okay. they kept describing him as like the the not like an the ice wolf. Hunter, but yes, something like like that. And that's what I was associating. But then Kostia has dark hair. Yes, I was like okay, I can't do that. And then I thought, oh, but I know who is tall and blonde <laughs> and handsome, and that's the thingo. But 
I love Alexander Skarsgård. He definitely yes. can get like mean and gritty. He definitely could do a villain. But oh yeah, I choose and to think has. of him happy happily. <laughs> yes, I don't blame you for that. So for my Kitsinko, I have Army Hammer. Okay, I yeah. I like that. A I like tall, it. Blonde, blue eyed, like he's the charmer. You know, he's a relatively controversial person in real life but if we can ignore that yeah <laughs> then i could Whoops. see him playing as um Chitsinko, just like the charming tall fair-haired boy i can see that yeah okay so who did you put for costia costia was hard for me same um but i settled on jared leto Okay. Yeah. So when I say I like cast them older than the characters, Jared Leto is 50, but he looks 30. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had like kind of like the dark, wild look with the blue eyes. You know, I just think, I think he could pull that off. So uh, I picked one that was kind of out of left field. And now that I'm really looking, I am misjudging, but. Okay. <laughs> uh, Alex Pettifer. Oh, okay. He, yeah. I forgot that no, he existed. Just, yeah. It took me a second. I know. But when was. I was looking up, he's in that like I am number four. And yeah. He's in some beastly and like other stuff. Yeah. But yeah, when I was Googling, which he has blonde too. So he brought, he definitely could have probably been one of the other guys as well. But the first picture that popped up was him with like darker hair. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know. I feel like Kosi is good looking. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're all good looking. I could see him being (laughs) broody. Okay. And so we know you're Alexi. Yes. Which I guess I can see whatever. I went with a totally different vibe. (laughs) And also that uh, way too old, but that's fine. Okay. Um, The first one I put down was Tom Cruise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Mostly because I think that he can be a twerp. He can play a a twerpy little asshole really well. Oh my gosh. He's a totally different look. Like I wasn't even paying attention to what (laughs) Alexi's character was supposed to look like because it's nothing like what Kitsinko has described as like Tom Cruise is nothing like that. (laughs) No. No, because she's like, there were similarities between Kitsinko and Alexi. Well, I disregarded that. And I just thought, (laughs) who's who's someone I don't really like? (laughs) Who gives me that vibe? Oh, my gosh. And it was Top Girls. But I also wrote down uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm going to roast you for that one. (laughs) That's fine. I guess I was thinking more of like, personal feelings of like who are some icky actors that I don't like. <laughs> yeah never forget t-swift jake never <laughs> we <Yeah>. remember <laughs> so totally that total is opposites. that's where we diverge yes. on our casting picks absolutely i like i said i always love to see how we're gonna differ and boy that's did fun. we that had one the same fun, which is pretty good yeah that is crazy Wow. Cool. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see 
the yeah. somebody has to pick up one of her books. I hope so. It's so new, so I'm hoping that yeah, once it, it gets all the attention and the traction. This will be I want it a now. great novel. <laughs> oh, for sure. But I'm hopeful that it will happen. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, I think that wraps up you know, the diamond eye for me. Do you have anything else to add? I don't. This was a long one. But... I know. We had a lot. I mean, I texted you. I was like, I think I feel like this episode is going to be long. And, you know, it did not disappoint. <laughs> For sure. But it's still, the story was so multi layered. We left important. so much out. Like, we truly so did. So much to be discovered. I can't even begin to tell you. And there's so I... much still to be discovered. The only reason I didn't get it on Audible was because I'd already used my credit for this month and I did not have time. But I am really interested to, like, sample it on Audible or just to see what the different retelling of it, I guess, would be. So Yeah, that is exciting. It's a great one if you haven't read anything by Kate Quinn. Definitely do. And this is a, a good one to start with. Go buy all of her books. Yes, absolutely. And then you'll you'll notice a little crossover, which we didn't even really hint on. But yeah, there's a little crossover with the Huntress yeah. in this. So that's always fun. Yeah. So read the Huntress first and then come yes. read this one. Yes. Okay. Well, I guess that wraps up this episode. Thank you all for listening and following along with us. As always, if you like what you hear today, please be sure to rate review and subscribe to us on whatever platform that you're listening to that really helps us um, with our engagement and helps us reach more people and be sure to give us a follow on instagram at life and lit pod and you can catch all of our book releases and just our book thoughts and feelings over on instagram we're trying to bump up our engagement over there as well and step up our meme game and our content. Exactly. So give us a follow. Elder millennials learning Instagram. <laughs> into sort of social media hermits. I'm definitely a lurker, oh, sure. not a poster. So Absolutely. <laughs> it's been a learning curve, but it's actually been a lot of fun too to get to interact with people and different accounts and people that we wouldn't have ever interacted with before. So absolutely stay tuned for our book and our new episode next week. And as always, happy reading, happy reading.